0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So I have a couple of things I got to get off my chest today. And then they'll get nervous. Everybody immediately goes, oh, no, she's going to rant and rave. No, I'm not. It's just that, you know, everybody expects sort of predictable responses when certain stories come out. I probably had a half a dozen people since the announcement was made that Alex Baldwin and the armor on the movie Rust are being charged with involuntary manslaughter. And people are, you know, some people, because they just despise... Alec Baldwin, which by the way, I am in that category, were really like, uh, you know, happy about this. And look, I'm not not the kind of person who wishes terrible things even on terrible people. And so I, I don't experience it that way. And instead I think about what does this mean for me? I am a a concealed weapons permit holder. I know how to safeguard myself and the people around me when weapons are in use or in play, whether they appear to be unloaded or not. Uh, I have not had to hold a weapon on a movie set, so I can't put myself in Alec Baldwin's shoes that day. I'm not an armorer. So I can't put myself in Guitaris' shoes either. But I'm a person who takes gun safety extremely seriously. And I think the most important thing that will come out of a trial, which will now be taking place, is how these anti-gun people don't know anything about guns. They don't know how to safely hold a weapon in their hand. And that is something that needs to be addressed, whether it's an actor, because you heard a number of actors step forward immediately after the incident, and it was a death, deadly incident, and say that they are extremely careful when they're handling what are purported to be unloaded guns on a movie set, and that they have taken safety courses, and that they are confident when they're holding a gun in their hand, that they are exercising caution. And apparently, those rules got like bent or ignored on the set of Rust. That still doesn't mean, in my mind, that the two people who were involved and are now being charged, the armorer and the actor, are really guilty of anything, other than Ignorance and perhaps uh, a lack of, of training. You know, I, I think there are some things that, you know, maybe the company who, including the producer Alec Baldwin himself, maybe they need to, uh, you know, make amends to the family of Hala Hutchins for a lack of, uh, you know, care. People were walking off that movie set that morning. I mean, we know that. They were walking off that set because they thought it was unsafe conditions. So, at some point, you would think that the powers that be, and in this case, Alec Baldwin was actually a producer of this movie, would have intervened and said, look, these are unsafe conditions. We've had a number of concerns and complaints. We're going to handle this. Everybody's got to take this class. Everybody has to, uh, you know, anybody who comes anywhere near a weapon has to be, uh, at least have gone through a course and understand how dangerous any weapon is, even if it's got blanks in it, before we proceed with the filming. And so that kind of remedy makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I'm all for educating people. But instead... My fear is, and you have to understand, when I have fears, it's not because I'm a paranoid person. It's because I've watched these things before. And my fear is this is going to be used as a show trial for just how bad guns are. Yeah, because Alec Baldwin is one of the most anti-Second Amendment people out there. And so his attorneys are going to be tasked with not only getting him off from this involuntary manslaughter charge, but also making a point. That's what they do. They use, they capitalize on the most horrifying things. They use them for their political advantage. And trust me, if he can get the left behind him, he knows he'll have a soft and easy time with the press. Which, by the way, is a large part of these show trials. And that's what this will be. Anytime you have an actor involved, it's a show trial. Anytime. Anytime. And this actor of all actors, you know, the most anti-Trump actor out there next to Robert De Niro, this will be a big one. And I'm afraid they're going to use it and we have to be on guard. We have to be on guard anyway. I had a great experience last night. You know, I still am just, I'm just not well. And I know that, you know, everybody cautions me and tells me, rest, we need you, you know, we love you. And I appreciate all that. But I'm an extremely driven person, and I had already disappointed one group, so I was not going to disappoint a second group. And I went last night up to the uh, Judeo-Christian Republican group that meets in, in Del Rey, and I was I was weary. I really was, but I, you know, a couple of uh, uh, roasted rhino, I, I now make enough roasted rhino so that I can put some in the refrigerator so I can have iced coffee if a moment like this arises. <laughs> and so I, I did a double shot of uh, roasted rhino iced coffee got in the car and I felt I started to feel a little bit better you know not that roasted rhino coffee is meant for you know exhilarating me but uh, if, it, if it works you know <laughs> what can I tell you so I went up there and the first thing I saw when I got there was a number of familiar faces and just people that I love, you know, one of the, you know, great World War II veterans that's still kicking and boy is he kicking, Mort. And I saw, you know, a couple of other people that I love dearly, Bill and, and of course Alan. And, 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 and it was just a warm, welcoming environment. And I have to admit, it made me feel better. Now, people don't think that's, you know, logical. You know, how do you um, overcome a cold by love? I don't know. But I felt good until I got home. <laughs> oh, man. And then the bottom fell out again. And I went to bed very early. I, I actually, uh, you know, listened to a little bit of uh, Tucker on the ride home <clears throat> on my Sirius satellite radio, which my husband had gave me in my, my new car. And so... um that's kind of cool because i knew i was going to miss the show so i said well i'll just listen on serious and i did and it got me aggravated and i didn't i started to not feel as well like you know once the adrenaline had left from the roasted rhino coffee and the the crowd that was so lovely and so just a great great crowd after that wore off i was like Whoa. i got home i came in and i hadn't eaten I, I realized that I hadn't eaten. I had had the you know a, a little fruit before I left the house, but I was really hungry and I don't like to eat late at night. So I said, well, I'll just eat something light. I had a nice avocado, I'll mash it up with a little you know a pico de gallo and I'll have a couple of chips, and, and that'll be good. Wrong, wrong thing to eat at nine o'clock at night. But I did it anyway. I enjoyed it while I was going down. It was just when I got, when I lay down that I realized, ooh, uh, I probably should have just had a bowl of broth. You know, this is a little too late for me and um, too much uh, grain-free tortilla chips. What can I tell you? But uh, the bottom fell out, and I fell asleep early, probably around 10 o'clock. For me, that's early. And I thought, this is not good. I'm not going to feel good tomorrow. I know it. And you know what? I woke up this morning, and I'm a little bit more congested than I was yesterday morning, but I feel really rejuvenated. And I don't know what that's all about. You know, they can't come up with a cure for the common cold. They can't even treat it. And so I just sit in amazement. You know, I had a conversation with somebody last night, and I said, look, I have a cold. Like, a you know, a cold? Like, I've had colds for 60 60- you know, I'm 69 years old, so I've had colds for 69 years. I assume I had colds when I was a baby, right? So I know what a cold feels like. You know, even if you've only had colds for 30 years, you know what a cold feels like. It's it's doesn't feel like uh, COVID, and it doesn't feel like the flu, and it doesn't feel like uh, you know anything else. Just feels like a cold. And so, I had forgotten how a cold will linger. And how you will have ups and downs, and the nighttime is the worst. So, I have to tell you, I am, I feel much better than I sound. And I apologize. I'm hoping that next week you will not have to endure my nasally voice or my coughing or anything else. You know, that is my goal. And I'm sure it's your desire as well. Um, But there's just, there are just too many things that I need to do, that need to get done. I got an email yesterday from an old friend, Gloria Lewis, who has been feeding the homeless in downtown Fort Lauderdale for like over a decade. And I hadn't heard from her in quite some time. She was probably on my show 10 years ago. Um, and she sent me a an email telling me that things were worse than ever out there on the street. And I'm aware of that. I see the homeless. And I my church also uh, handles meals for the homeless. And bags for the homeless and clothes for the homeless. So I'm quite aware of how many homeless people there are in Fort Lauderdale. I'm grateful that we only have a couple of days of bad weather, cold weather, because, uh, you know, imagine being homeless in uh, Maine or homeless in in New York where the temperature drops and, uh, you know, you're out on the street. And it's a street. It's not even, you can't find a grassy knoll or anything. So while it's less awful to be homeless in Fort Lauderdale, it's pretty darn awful. And she was telling me that she wanted to come on the show to talk about the uh, lack of affordable housing, low income housing, and how many more people are out there on the street than ever before. And I said, yeah, you, you come on the show because that's a message that needs to go out. You see, don't take that message on uh, liberal shows. Because immediately they want the government to intervene. Oh, the government has to step up and the government has to provide this and the government has to do that. No, 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 no. The American people have to decide to help. That's my belief. You know, this woman has been literally cooking in her kitchen for the last 11 years, preparing these meals, hundreds of thousands of meals, and distributing them on the street of Fort Lauderdale along with the word. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, She's done more good in her eleven years of life than any government agency will have done in a decade, because it's personal, and because it's real. So uh, she'll be coming on at twelve thirty, and 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 I, you know, I looked at the people last night. They're so sincere, and they're so. Dumb, is to just see this country. Um, get through the tough times. And these are tough times. I I don't care what anybody says. Here we are having this debt ceiling fight and everybody's like, oh, the the Republicans better not shoot themselves in the foot. Here we go again. You're going to have a battle like they did over the speaker's chair. And oh, they better not. They'll get blamed. It'll be their fault. And all I can do is roll my eyes, really. Because at what point is somebody going to be bold enough to say, we have to stop spending money we don't have and printing money we can't back. If not the Republicans, if not now, when? You know, I looked at this young girl I visited in the jails this morning. I looked at this 19 year old who's incarcerated and I said to her, I feel pretty darn bad about leaving debt to your generation. You know, because she asked me, she said, What is this debt ceiling? What does that mean? You know? And, and, and rather than just explain the technical part of it, I said it means that people in my generation and people in the generations right after mine were irresponsible and spent money that we didn't have. See, when my household budget, uh, you know, doesn't measure up to my expenses, I have to cut expenses. You know, I don't get to borrow to pay the, the money that I borrowed last time. You know, that's not how this works. You tighten your belt. You don't buy steak. You know, you eat ground turkey or whatever. Uh, you know, you, you may have to go without a dozen eggs this week. You may have to use, uh, you know, a milk substitute. Whatever it is, that's what we do. We We modify our output because we can't go into debt. Not the government. And then they get, oh, listen, I want you to understand that, uh, you know, if the Republicans do this, it'll be on their heads and we'll use that against them in the election. And the, the media is right on top of it. I was watching some bizarre, at the gym, MSNBC panel. And the woman, first of all, why does everyone on MSNBC look like they have not been able to poop in three weeks? They all have that same dour, serious pained look on their face like they're constipated really it's just ugh. I could never watch that for more than 10 minutes it's on in the gym so I glance up at it and she's got a panel on I don't even know who this woman is but she had a panel on there and they're all like well if the Republicans do that they're gonna have a problem in the elections and oh if the Republicans do that and I'm like wait a minute so if the Republicans actually do what they say they're gonna do that's a problem not for me Anyway, don't forget to download our app, and don't forget to like us on Facebook. I never say that, but it's kind of important. I'm not a Facebook person, but the station has a wonderful Facebook page, and we've got a whole staff that works on keeping it updated with all kinds of news stories, and just go to the Facebook page, because you are a Facebook person, and like us, I don't know what that means. I guess you put a little heart on us. Whatever it means, do it. And of course, download the app, visit the website, because you can get all the news that's fit to print. I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. You know, I'm 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 loving these uh, stories that are coming my way. You know, I just want to go past a few stories that I think are just wonderful. And uh, I did hear one of them last night on the on the uh, satellite radio from the Carlson, Tucker Carlson show. There's this hockey player. Now, he, you know, his team in the NHL was. Uh, you know, having Pride Night, whatever that means. I mean, okay, so I guess it's, uh, you know, just uh, the woke mob gets to the NHL like they got to the NBA, like they got to the MLB, you know, all leagues, which, by the way, the majority of people who watch the games are probably not LGBTQ people. I'm sure there are some, but, you know, that's not their predominant audience, especially in the National Hockey League, you know, so, so they decide they're going to have Pride Night or Pride Day. And one of the players for the Philadelphia Flyers is a guy named Ivan Pravavarov. Now, okay, Ivan is not American. Uh, he is now, but he wasn't always American. So they're playing against the Anaheim Ducks, And the organization tells him he has to wear this, like you know, rainbow-colored jersey or whatever they did for Pride Day. I don't really know. I was listening; I wasn't watching. And he came out and he said to the press, "Um, "I'm not going to wear it, you know." And 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 he said, "And I'm going to say what I have to say, and that's it. I'm not answering questions. It's you know, this is what I'm going to do." And he comes out and he says. I'm not going to, I, I, everybody has a right to think what they want. I respect everybody's choices. But my choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. And that's all I'm going to say. And then he starts to walk away and they're going, well, what's your religion? Right? Like, like they really don't know. And he goes, Russian Orthodox. So Russian Orthodox Christianity is a very severe Christian faith. And I don't mean severe in a bad way. It's just, it's, uh, you know, they've been through a lot as you can see. I mean, if this guy was in Russia, he'd now be sent to the front lines in the Ukraine. Uh, they're not real, you know, uh, I don't think uh, Putin is down with the uh, Russian Orthodox Church. Not not really. Um, so, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this young guy, and then I think they brought Jason Whitlock on, who I absolutely love. I just don't like looking at him, but I love him. And he talks about how the really sad part about this story is that it wasn't an American on that team who said it. That it wasn't a Christian kid on that team, a Christian young man on that team who had the nerve to say enough with the diversity, equity, inclusion, or whatever you want to call it. This is corporate America imposing these things on the sports world. And he was absolutely right. It's not just the National Hockey League. It's Major League Baseball. It's the NBA. It's the NFL. If someone tells you, hey, we're having a pride night and we don't care what your religious values are, put this shirt on and support it. They're all going to do it in lockstep because they're slaves to corporate America. You know? And so here's the last, you know, institution, sports, right, that they're taking over. I mean, they got academia. They got the media. They got the the written press. And now they have sports. They absolutely have too much of the political class, that's for sure. Even the people who call themselves conservatives or Republicans, you know, they, they're sitting around going, oh, you know, trans women or men or women or women. I don't know. you know, Just not, n- this is nonsense. You know, the NH- NHL, is now had to hire Kim Davis to uh, make it more equitable, right? They had to hire a black woman to make the, NBA, uh, the NHL, which is overwhelmingly white, to make it uh, more diverse. And m- my question is simple, and I don't even mean this, right? But, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it needs to be said. You know, Governor DeSantis wouldn't let them run some job fair where you couldn't, couldn't even come and look for a job if you were white, right? He said, no, no, we don't do the racist thing in the state anyway, right? Not welcome here. But, but I want to know when the NBA is going to hire a white person to say, uh, we're not diverse enough in the NBA. You know that's never going to happen, right? And I don't even want it to happen. You know, I'm saying that because it shows you how ludicrous all of this is. I want the best basketball players. If I'm going to watch a game, which I don't do very much anymore, but if because I just can't take all the political stuff that you know, the shirts and the signs and the the ribbons and all that stuff. But but if I'm going to watch a game, I want to see Steph Steph Curry. I want to see LeBron James. I want to see the best players, right? I want to see Kyrie Irving. I want to see the best players. I'm not looking at the color of their skin. I want the guy who can make the three-point shot. I don't care what color he is. you know. So when I look at an NBA game, I'm not thinking to myself, oh my God, there's no white people on that team. I just start thinking that. When I look at an NHL hockey game, and I don't watch many hockey games. I have gone down to the Panthers games once in a while. I rode around on the Zamboni a few times, you know, for the radio station. And when I go down there, I'm not looking at these guys and going, oh, my God, they're all white. It just doesn't occur to me. What I am thinking is, oh, my God, they're so violent. But that's a whole nother show, right? When I look at the NFL, do you really think that I sit there and go like, Gee, I wish there were more uh, Asians on the team. Or, oh my God, how come there's no women on the team? Of course not. I want to see the best quarterbacks. I don't care what color they are. I want to see the best running backs and the best defensive linemen. I'm like saying this, I don't even know what it means, but you know what I mean. When I go to a, a Major League Baseball game, I'm looking around and I'm going, gosh. Too many Hispanics. we got to cut down the Hispanics in the Major League Baseball. No, I want to see those Hispanics who can hit the ball out of the park and can pitch better than anyone else and are faster when they run the bases than anyone else. I don't care if they're Hispanic. I don't care if they're black. I don't care if they're white. I don't care if they're Asian. I just want the best ballplayers. But no, now the NHL is going to make sure that there's more people of color on hockey teams. First and foremost, let me explain something to you, and I've tried to explain this to people over the years. The reason you have more young black males playing basketball than the average uh, white males is because all you need is a hoop and one basketball and a bunch of guys can play. And when they're growing up in inner cities, poor or not poor, there's not a lot of places to hang out and play. So basketball courts are a place where young men gather and all they need is a ball and a hoop. It doesn't even have to have a net on it. just has to be a circle up in the sky, right? Hockey, you need skates, you need an ice rink or a frozen pond You need shoulder pads and knee pads and a uniform. I mean, it's a complicated thing. You gotta have the right equipment. You gotta have a hockey stick. You gotta have a hockey puck, right? You gotta have a face mask if you're gonna be a goalie. So you don't see that. And you certainly don't see it in Florida unless you go to one of these indoor skating rinks, right? When you have football, why do you think there's a predominance of minority groups in football? And I hate to say this, but it's true you know, white guys from the mountains of, uh, you know, Tennessee, because all you need is one ball. (coughs) Now, one would hope you had some protective equipment, but even if you didn't, you could play the game. You know what I'm saying? So let's cut the crap. We're not going to put more Uh, black people on NHL teams and still have a league worth watching. We're not going to put more white people on the NBA teams and still have a league worth watching. We're not going to take the Hispanics out of Major League Baseball and still have teams worth watching. And football, who cares? I don't watch it anyway. Let me take a break. When I come back, I'll be speaking with Gloria Lewis, and we'll find out what's really happening on the streets of Fort Lauderdale with the homeless. All right, and uh, welcome back. I had intimated that I was going to be talking to an old friend, Gloria Lewis, and I met Gloria for the first time, I don't know, must have been about uh, seven, eight years ago, right, Gloria? Yes, yes, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. How are you, Joyce? I'm doing okay, and I know you're still out there doing the good work that the Lord has told you to do. You're feeding the homeless in Fort Lauderdale. But you sent me an email telling me that things are worse than ever. Tell the audience what's going on out there.
1: Let me tell you. With uh, 10 and a half years on the streets, I have never seen so much pain. So many people don't know what to do. I'm, I mean, I get suicidal texts at all hours. People living in their cars, don't have cars, don't have food, telling me, what can I do, six kids, seven kids? I mean, Joyce, I got my hands in so many parts. I started feeding the homeless. Now I'm helping pay rent. I'm buying groceries. I'm paying, like, bills cell phone, you name it. I, all I can do is I don't have, we don't have the resources, but I do what God said to do, which is don't tell your brother to come back tomorrow if, it, if it's in your power to do it, to do it today. Mm-hmm. So I might not be able to give them everything that they need, but I give them something that says, God loves you, don't give up, hold on. Just don't mm-hmm. give up. Yeah. And that's what we try to do, you know, but it but it's it is so critical and it's sad because when we take God out of everything, this is what we get. Mhm. Yeah. We, we we lost our moral structure, broken down. I mean what is up is down. What is left is right. I mean, the compass is all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take all of us to jump in and do what we can to bring this thing back on level ground. It's time to stop pointing fingers because everyone is guilty. We're all sinners. Let's see what we can do for one another to, to take America back. Yeah. This is not the America that I came to in 1987. Yeah, yes, I've no. had issues, but I've never seen nothing like it.
0: And I think you're right. I think one of the things that we forget is that, you know, we need to take care of people. It's not the government that's going to take care of people. It's us, fellow citizens. But there's a limit to how much we can do. You've been out there for over a a decade trying to Ten and a half
1: years, over 230,000 meals. When I watch a mom with two autistic kids that can't get any help Mm -hmm. and i got to stand in the gap, Mm-hmm. At all hours of the night, when I put in 11 hours, I got to go take food. I got to go do whatever I can. Right now, I just took off work early, left, said, forget the money. I got to go do God's work right now to mm-hmm. do this interview because it is critical. And I know you two are doing the Lord's work and your husband. And then I got to go help this mom. Mm-hmm. But I got another mom in the parking lot telling me she's ready to give up. The shelters are full. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people don't understand how serious this is and it's not the government fault it's we the people that know God it is all part to do all part and we are also guilty the church is guilty of talking the talk but not walking it you know not walking enough if every christian take one person forget all the ills, because we all have issues, some more than some, but we all have issues. Put that behind you. Let God do that. We are called to love. We are called to love thy brother as thyself. We are called to love God first and love thy brother as thyself. How can we say we love God when we don't love our brother who we can see when we can't see God? My seven-year-old granddaughter said that she got a vision. She said, Grandma, I saw God in my dream, and I said, she said, no. I didn't see him. I just saw a bright light came down. Mm-hmm. And then I said, so what did he say? You don't love me if you don't love people. I said, so what does that mean to you? She said, we're supposed to love everybody. She was six years old. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I used to hear people say that. Oh, you know, the kids hear from God. But when this little girl told me this, and she's grounded. She is mm-hmm. grounded. We took her up to President Trump, mar a with us, and she prayed. She prayed with us. We're we praying for President Trump. I, I understand he's got a mouth, but he's got a mouth just like mine, and it needs a mouth like that to bring this country back. Some yeah. gonna disagree with me, but that's okay. But yeah. you need a bull. You need yeah. a bull to stand in the gap and stand on what they believe. And if the ship goes down, then they, you need a captain that's going to go down with the ship, that's not right. a captain that's got his propeller all over the place, don't yeah. even know what he stands for. Yeah, and that's yeah. where we are right now. Nobody even know what what, what our president stands for. Every day the narrative changes. Right. Well, we let me ask you. it like that. Right. Well, let me
0: ask you a question, because you had brought up a point in one of the emails that we exchanged about affordable housing. How there really isn't any. I've been looking around to help someone uh, find an apartment. And I I cannot believe how much money they want for studio apartments and one-bedroom apartments. What is a woman with two children supposed to do? George,
1: it is impossible for any person making less than $25 an hour to even qualify they can't even qualify. So what do they do? They have to turn to the government. They have no choice. It's not that people want a handout. They are forced into this system. Because if you go to work, you get no help. If you stay at home, you get all the help. So why go to work? Why should I go to work if my health care is gonna be? I' gonna to have to pay it. If my housing that I can't afford is gonna be pulled. If my child care is gonna be pulled, why would I go to work and I still can't pay the rent? I'ma just stay home. The government gonna give me food stamps. The government gonna pay my rent. The government gonna do everything. I'm gonna work under the table. This is what they force the people to do. Yeah. And I'm out here you? fighting this fight. explaining to the people. You're never going to see the favor of God if you do things the way the government's here to do it. Forget the government. Do what God says to do. If you mm-hmm. get up and go to work and you can't make it God,
0: Ask you how can people help i mean obviously uh, i've been and watched she gloria literally cooks full course meals for people healthy meals for people then her whole family like in a in a line they pack these meals up for these people and they take them out they give them a word from the lord and then they feed them how can people help you gloria care
1: in action us care in action us is the name of our organisation. We get no funding from any government entities. We get no, no, no help. All of our donations come with individuals who see the work, who believe in the work, and who knows that we're not doing this to, to get any rewards from her or to get any reward from mankind. We know that we are doing the Lord's work. This is what he called us to do. And all rewards are going to come from him. And by the way, Joyce, I forgot to tell you, one of my biggest donors, before he passed away, he bought us a house for $310,000 cash so that the Lord's work continue. And so that's why even more reason, I have to put the Lord's work first. And mm-hmm. God has provided for me. God has provided for my family. It didn't look like it. When we didn't know how. We're going to make it. We stand on the word. Mm-hmm. And ten and a half a half years later, we have not run out of funding. We would like to have more. But you know what? We use what God gave us conservatively, which is why all the food comes out of my house. All the labor is done by me, my husband, and my, and, and my, my son, and my granddaughter in order to keep the food costs and everything else down. Right now, Joyce, what my president just bought a house. For three hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars cash, and gonna give it to our charity for a dollar a year. We had mm. to put over eighty thousand dollars in repairs just to have a model. To put mm. seven people in that house, they're gonna pay three hundred dollars a month. They're gonna go to work. They can't have food stamps. They can't have no kind of entitlement. This is a stepping stone. We give you free rent but you've got to be your cheap way, but you have got to do your part. And we are hoping to create this model that is not everybody that wants a handout, but right now we have priced the majority of low-income people out of housing. We have priced them out of even hope. We've Mm -hmm. pretty much taken away their hope because they don't see a way to get a place to live. When you've got to pay $800 to share a bedroom, this Mm -hmm. creates mental health. You put two, but my husband and me have an issue. I go let, he go right. How are you going to put 10 people to live in a house and two, three people in a bedroom and think that that's not going to create mental health? So we Mm. create another problem. We don't want to find affordable housing, but now we create mental health. And we're saying that the people on the streets are mental. We believe that everybody on the street got a drug problem. Trust me, there's people on the street that have no drug problem, no alcohol problem, but they just can't afford the place to live. Yeah. No, and it's will the true. media do it? No. I have email NBC, ABC, CNN, CBS, 24-7, not a single person. Yeah, no, I, listen. Would, would, would the story? Yeah, I know, I know. That
0: is the nature of, of the modern media. But I'm hoping that uh, people who are listening to this will get involved, give out the uh, information again, how they can get a hold of you.
1: My name is Gloria Vargas or Gloria Lewis, whichever. Mm-hmm. And the name of our organization is Care, C-A-R-E-I-N, Action, A-C-T-I-O-N, USA. You can find us online, and there's a button right there. You can see how you can donate. If you want to send a check, the address is on there. If the check comes to me, it goes, I get 100%. If it goes through online, we lose a percentage mm-hmm. so whichever works for you and mm-hmm. you can also go into the website you can see exactly what it is that we're doing and understand we are no different than anybody else mm-hmm. Joyce knows I'm a waitress. I got a couple of my customers good customers loyal customers that support me or listening because they emailed me and told me that Joyce announced that you were on the radio show actually one of them I told me about you years ago which was mm-hmm. the reason why I called you nice so you know, we, we, we all got to jump in here and do something, Joyce. At the end yes. of the day, God said that if we would humble ourselves, seek his face, then we're going to hear from heaven. We need to hear from heaven. Oh, And big I mean, time. with the swiftness, we need to hear from heaven.
0: Absolutely. Gloria, you stay well. I'll be in touch with you, okay?
1: Okay. Say, so give your husband a big hug for me.
0: I sure will. You, you give your husband a big yeah, hug We're we going to
1: hook up soon.
0: Okay. Okay, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, people doing the right thing. You know, you, you, people ask me all the time, what can I do? Check out our website, help. All right, uh, don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino. Coming up at uh, 4 o'clock is Ben Shapiro. At 6 o'clock, the WPTV News, and then Joe Paggs, Lars Larson, and tomorrow morning, the Morning Crew will be back to wrap up this week. So just leave the dial where it is. I'll be right back. You know, one of the things that I have become acutely aware of is, uh, you know, when I'm out in the public like I was last night and I listen to what people are saying is the level of despair and frustration. And I'm not talking about people who don't have resources or people who they themselves are, you know, um, confused about what's right. Um, I'm talking about people who have spent their whole lives doing the right thing. Men and women who, who served in, uh, in ministries, who served at their temples, who served, who, who held jobs for decades, men and women who served in the military. And there's a sense of frustration and hopelessness that I hear that really just, uh, it, it saddens me because I get it, you know. Uh, uh, here's a person like me who goes out every day looking for stories that are either going to uh, make you angry or <laughs> make you scared or make you sad and then try to shake you into action, you know. So when I, I, I know somebody like Gloria who when you shake her into action, she actually goes into action. It reminds me that what I'm doing serves a purpose, you know. And the purpose is to make you... Um, to empower you to do something. You know, we do not have to accept what the media tells us about anything, especially something like the debt ceiling. Like, maybe just use your brain. What happens, as Gloria said, when you run out of money? You gotta go to work. You know, uh, or or you have to go begging. And, And a lot of people got very used to begging from the United States government who whose bills are paid by us, the taxpayers, or loans are taken out on our behalf, the taxpayers. So when I hear what I heard this morning on one of these left-wing lunatic uh, you know, television stations, that you know, it would be a travesty or a tragedy if the Republicans push back on you know, raising the debt ceiling. You know, In other words, they just wanna keep on doing what they've been doing that isn't working. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If we keep raising the debt ceiling, as my friend Pat pointed out, it's like increasing the credit limit on your credit cards. A point will come where no one's going to give you any more credit. You know, they're glad to give it to you as long as they think there's hope you're going to pay it back. But it becomes painfully clear to your credit card companies and to the Chinese who lend us money and to other uh, countries that lend us money, that we're not in a position to pay them back ever. you know. So essentially, uh, you know, we'd rather get in on this whole globalist uh, economy thing because maybe that, our debts will be forgiven. If we're all the same country, there won't be any debt, will there? But it's not right, and it's not fair, and we're counting on something happening that may never happen. And then what's going to be the reality is our children and grandchildren are going to be saddled with an enormous amount of debt that can't be paid and this country will default on its debt. And when it does, how long do you think it will be before we're taken over? I know that that just sounds so extreme and you're thinking, oh my God, Joyce, don't say that. Who could take us over? Well, at that point, China could. They certainly have the manpower to do it. And they'll certainly have the economic power to do it if we continue to let them rape, rob, and pillage our industries. And that's what we're doing. Hey, I love the fact that Governor DeSantis said you cannot buy any farmland in the state of Florida. We don't care how much money you have. Because we've given up our sovereignty. Every time we allow China to buy property to, that we have normally used for growing crops, we have become, p- placed ourselves in a position where we are subjects, not citizens. You give up your guns, you are a subject, not a citizen. So don't give up, but fight. You know, stand for something. You know, stand for... Uh, if you won't stand for something, then you'll fall for anything. And I see that too much. Don't get demoralized. I saw a woman last night stood up and said, read your grandchildren's stories. Forget your children. Pass over that generation. I learned that a long time ago. I talked directly to Ben and Abe and Carter and Nixon. That's who I talked to. Why? Because they at least uh, have not been poisoned yet. And I tell them all the stories about uh you know, Benjamin Franklin and Paul Revere and all of that, you know, read them the books that Rush wrote, read them the books that, uh, 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 what's his name, the Governor Huckabee has out there for your kids and, and stop letting their parents poison their minds. All right, that does it for me. I'll be back tomorrow at noon if it be his will and he delays his coming, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, do something, be something, Uh, And mostly be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Goodbye. I will see you tomorrow if it be his will and he delays his coming. God bless you and God bless the USA. The Joyce Kaufman podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers. South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers. Roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.